like my brother, sir. I know when to say no. Uh-huh. And then like your brother, miss, you, I just don't get. Ah. I know. You're wondering, what is a place like me doing in a girl like this? Welcome to The Rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. For the foreseeable future, we're going to be ranking action movies. After that, who knows? But we're hoping our listeners will get involved and help us decide. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any, and if you disagree... Join the discussion at Twitter at, at the Rank Podcast, on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com, or email us at therankwithjohnandzack at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at the Rank Podcast. And remember, please rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. Anyway, enjoy the show. So I guess we should tell the listener right off the bat. Uh, episode 5 here, The Mummy is uh, we're going to record it twice because that's just how much we liked The Mummy. Or it's because I forgot to hit record. Yeah, I think that might be it. Yeah. We like The Mummy and all, but... <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's uh, kind of ridiculous that, I've, that I forgot to do that. Um, but, you know, I guess it is what it is, and... We're going to try to double up tonight and get two episodes in and at once. We'll see what happens. Um, that, was my, why you lo- that was why you lost your job at the uh, National uh, Archives, right? Because you forgot to hit record on the, on the podcast, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Actually, what happened was, is you know how like they send people around to like record old people talking about their history? Yes. Yeah, I didn't record anybody. So <laughs> we we would have known all about this the curse of Emotep if only you had actually <laughs> recorded some of these old guys talking about it. But no, yeah. nope, nope. I was like, what's the red circle do? <laughs> That's why they wouldn't let you join the Bembridge Scholars. Yeah, turn down your application because of you're an idiot. <laughs> yep, me and Rachel Vice. Rachel Vice. If I've got one vice, it's Rachel Vice. Well, that's a good vice to have, I suppose. You know, my uh, my son, he's he's figured out a a trick for nighttime. So, you know, I usually let him watch one YouTube video. I'm like, oh. Okay, well, watch one. You can pick whatever it is, and then that's it. We're gonna turn it off and go to sleep. Mm. But he's discovered that if he says this. This next thing that I'm going to say, he almost always can get at least one more video out of me. He'll say, Daddy, I want to learn something now. <laughs> he's like, I want to learn. And you're like, all right, it has to be educational. And he, he's like, all right, monster trucks it is. <laughs> well, no. So I'll say, so he's, he's good about it, too. So I'll say, um, okay, what do you want to learn about? And so tonight he goes, what is it? How does a telescope work? Okay. And I'm like, okay, I guess we'll watch that YouTube video. 
for a second, I thought that he was going to be like, oh, I just want to watch one more YouTube video. And then he picks like 30 hours of, you know, Skyrim music or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I gotcha. You're like, well, joke's on you, because now you have to sit here and watch 30 hours of looping music. I know. He's, he's, he asks some interesting questions, you know, like, because of him, I now know like uh, all about topology. Well, maybe not all about topology, but I know of topology, which I did not know before, that we have uh, seven through holes in our body, um, but most of our holes are blind holes. So, yep, oh, that was that, a fun learning video that we, that we watched. If if you're the if you're the mummy, you got some particularly blind holes, you know. Well, yeah. Yeah. Actually, if you're the mummy, you have oh, just one big through, through hole. Nothing, you're nothing but through hole. Yeah. A mummy is really just a, a through hole. One large, gaping through hole. <laughs> As always, we are going to start with our summary, where we're going to just give you a quick idea, a quick rundown of the movie. Then we are going to move into potent notables, which are fun, fun facts. And then we are going to go into a longer exposition, a big old discussion, maybe, of the plot points, what we liked, what we didn't like. And finally, the rank, the rank, the the important part, the the, the reason we're all here, where we're going to rank all of uh, the best parts of the movie, the worst parts of the movie, everything in between, 10 categories, one to five, one being the worst, five being the best. Well, I guess we should say today <laughs> we're ranking the mummy. The it's the 1999 movie written by Stephen Summers with a screen story by Stephen Summers, Lloyd Fonville, and Kevin Jari, based upon the life stories of Frank Dukes, obviously, <laughs> and an original premise by John Long. John Long, um, <laughs> mummy hanger. <laughs> uh, it was directed by Stephen Summers and starred Brennan Fraser and Rachel Weiss. So... For those of you who are not initiated by now, um, spoilers ahead. So um, just, I guess, beware. Or you could watch along while we talk about the movie, which I really hope that somebody at at some point emails us or reaches out to us and says, you know, I watched along and it was fucking terrible. <laughs> we don't go at a particularly regular pace as far as as far as our summation of the movie. So they're gonna be like, wait, hold on, fuck, wait, where? Hold on, I have to pause the podcast and let it catch up, and then we're like talking about the end of the movie, and then we skip back, and he's like, ah, it's more people trying to trying to follow along like we're Pink Floyd. Exactly. Well, if you listen to it backwards, actually. So, it's, a, it's a secret message, which, yeah, is, exactly. which, which is original story by John Long. No, it's actually, if you, if you listen to every single one of our episodes, if you listen to it backwards, it's actually us doing every part of the movie. So you, wow. Yeah, you can you can actually listen to the entire movie. That uh, would be the most brilliant thing anyone's ever done. Yeah, well, you know, I'm brilliant, except for <laughs> hitting hitting record. Um <laughs> Except for that one flaw in your plan, every 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 hero needs a fatal flaw. Every Greek legend, you know. And my fatal flaw are red circles. Apparently, red, red circles. Not understanding when they're blinking and when they're not. That's right. So, uh, the mummy is about Rick O'Connell, an American gun for hire, uh, has discovered Hamnoptera, the ancient city of the dead in Giza, Egypt. After being one of only two survivors from his discovery, he ends up being arrested and given a death sentence. 
apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought of it, but you're right. That doesn't. That, I don't. I don't know that we ever find out exactly what he's being right to death for. So he's we'll he's gonna die. I mean, he, the the reason they give is that he had too much fun. Um, so, yeah. It's played as a joke, but it sounds silly when you say it. Yeah, yeah. It oh, hanging for fun. Yep. Um, so he meets Evelyn, played by Rachel Vice, just in time, just in the nick of time. She saves him from a hanging, and he agrees to bring her to the same place he just left. Mm. They, accidentally, fire. <laughs> they accidentally awaken Emotep after 3,000 years. And then they have to stop him before he destroys the world. Mm. Now on the long to, and the short of it. Yeah. Yep, that's pretty much it. So now on to our potent notables. And uh, yeah. So potent notables, as always, I'm going to start with the box office. Uh, the Mummy was a super hit. Uh, on mm. a budget of $80 million, it grossed $155.4 million domestic and an additional $260.5 million international for a worldwide total cumulative of $415.9 million. The worldwide loved the mummy. Yeah. I mean, Evidently. clearly. So I, what I thought was really fascinating about this is that it was actually filmed in 27 different locations. Sure. Um, but it was across different parts of the UK, Morocco, and, of course, Arizona. Because... <laughs> You know, why not Arizona? Else. Right, right. Yeah, that was John Long's pitch. But. <laughs> He's like, what if what if the pyramids were actually in the Swiss Alps and were mountains and not pyramids? And you had to mountain climb them. Yeah. I think we're getting off, off topic here, John Long. Let's focus yeah. on the mummy for right now. And Frank like, Dukes well. loved it. He was like, that's exactly <laughs> what I did. <laughs> when, I, when I founded the pyramids, when I built the pyramids 3,000 years ago, I initially by meant to put them in the Swiss Alps. Yeah, by himself, him and George Santos, maybe. <laughs> oh, topical. <laughs> We're going to put this up like months from now. I know. They're going to be like, oh, he's already impeached. Do you impeach congressmen? I don't know what you do. Anyway. Well, I think you can. I think you can impeach anybody who's been elected to office. But uh, I'd, I'd love to impeach him. I just don't see it happening, which is sort of a sad state of affairs. But uh, maybe he'll get arrested. You never know. <laughs> Let's hope. So, <laughs> for having too much fun. Exactly. <laughs> so, speaking of that, actually, for having too yeah. much fun, yeah. Brendan Fraser, mm. who was playing Rick O'Connell, right, Daddy Rick, as mm. you informed me. So, <laughs> to be clear uh, to our listener here, who maybe knows the Daddy Rick stuff, I did not know that. Zach informed <laughs> me on the first recording that didn't get recorded. So. I don't want to yeah. pretend like I'm actually knowledgeable in Daddy Rick. But anyway, Daddy Rick almost died. Oh, yeah. During that fun. hanging scene. Yeah, too much fun. He he Brendan Fraser actually stopped breathing and had to be resuscitated. Which is uh you know, pretty method. <laughs> Him and Jared Leto over there. I have to actually be hanged for real. Poor guy's sitting there like suffocating to death. And they're like, This is great content, Brendan, Brendan. <laughs> keep on dangling those legs. He's like, I really can't breathe. Right. Well, you know, Stephen Summers casted him because he was like, man, he was great as George of the Jungle. He was Ooh. hanging a lot in that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he almost got the lead role in Cliffhanger for that exact reason. Exactly. A lot of hanging. A lot of, that's yeah. why John Long loved him for the role. 
<laughs> All right, that's the, that's the last John Rawl. John Rawl, uh, what I call him John I Long. don't know who, who you're talking about, so obviously we've got more John Long to come. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. That's how long he is. He's got more to come. Um, so he actually said that uh, Fraser, he felt like fit the Errol Flynn swashbuckling character that he had envisioned perfectly. Um, he said that the actor understood his character, that, that the character Rick, quote, doesn't take himself too seriously. Otherwise, the audience can't go on that journey with him. Mm. The white nightgown that Evelyn wore. Mm. When the ship was being attacked, she was wearing this white nightgown, and apparently it became transparent when it got wet, and it had to be digitally painted white during post-production so the film could keep its PG-13 rating. I, for one, am very sad that I have not seen that director's cut. I was going to say, there's unaltered footage out there. I love that they did not apparently tell her or care when it was actually <laughs> happening. I, I refuse to believe it was visible on camera, but not, you know in real life. So like Stephen Summers was over there like, no, this is, this is more great footage, Rachel. It, everything's fine. And she's like, I feel like my nips are out. And he's like, no, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's suddenly just cold. Like, yeah. I, I feel like I'm pretty much naked right now. And they're all like, no, no, you're fine. Let's, let's just keep, keep, keep filming. She's like, maybe I should put a bra on. <laughs> oh, that's good uh, acting right there. And Steven's or good accent. Stephen Summers was like, no, 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 it's not needed. Not needed. Well, well, have you also heard the potent notable on uh, from Star Wars? Kind of a similar thing. Um, I don't know when when Princess Leia is. Uh, this is the first Star Wars episode four. Okay. Apparently, when you know when they rescue her, she's just in that white outfit that she's always wearing. Right. And you know it gets wet in the uh, trash compactor, right. and like she's kind of like running around and stuff, and her boobies are kind of going everywhere. And like she was like, I feel like I should be wearing something to help support myself here. And George Lucas is like, No, no, no there's no bras in space. Actually, speaking of Star Wars, there is a Star Wars link in this. Is uh, there? Yeah, because a cloak that was lent by the British costume rental company Angels. Uh, and worn by an extra in this film was discovered to have, in fact, been made for Al Guinness when he played Obi-Wan. Oh, that is interesting. Desert hermits. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, what do people in the desert wear? Obi-Wan Kenobi robes. <laughs> and, and every person, like, you know, every indigenous person in the desert is like, come on. So according to Stephen Summers, Universal called him the morning after the movie was released and said, uh, quote, we need another one. <laughs> I feel like as a director, that would be a nice call to get. He, oh, he's like, should well. Yeah. The effects team was told no gore when designing the look of the mummy. So they actually did tests for grossness threshold. Huh. Which, I, think they did a good, I think they did a good job with that because they talk about his corpse being squishy, but then he's not all that squishy. He's kind of got that dry, you know, sandy feeling to him. Yeah, when they were building him, when the effects Gauzy. team was building him, they were they liked his transparent look. Oh. So they just removed all his organs. <laughs> they really so, liked the transparent look in this, yeah. uh, in this <laughs> yeah. film. They were all about transparency. Um, but it's cool because he does he definitely doesn't look as gross as he does scary. So yeah. I think they did a good job. Well, don't mummies not have organs really? I mean, she even talks about it in the movie, but I can't remember That's the true. specifics of it now. That's but true. they take out all the all the squishy bits and keep them in sacred jars, I guess. They, sacred vessels. You're right, but he was buried alive. Oh, you're right. You're right. Excellent point. That's why he's wet. 
I forgot about that. <laughs> kind of a kind of an integral part of it, but that's fine. Well, um, and I mean, and this we'll probably end up talking about this later, but uh, but yeah, they the idea was so the scarabs that they put in there with them, they the whole point of his punishment was that he was basically having his flesh eaten off that he was going to live forever and have his flesh eaten off until he was hungry enough to eat the scarabs. And then he would eat scarabs, grow his flesh back. And then the scarabs would eat his flesh again. So it was just like this continuous cycle for all eternity, which sounds like a lot of fun for him. (laughs) It's just delightful. I think, I think that's like a nice little bit of lore actually, that I wish, I don't know if, they mentioned it and I just didn't notice, but if no, I don't, they, they don't mention, mention it, it actually. I mean, at least not that I saw, but yeah, I, it's a great, I read it when I was doing the research on it. So oh, yeah, it's, that's really it's, good. It, it, it really helps like, ex, it really helps expound just what's going on through in his mind when, when he's woken up like Jesus well, Christ. <laughs> one thing that I learned when I was doing research was that, uh, there's a lot of people out there who have read the novelization of the mummy and they really like it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole fan community about the novelization of the mummy. This is great stuff right here. This is I'm gonna look this up now. The mummy, and of course, you know, so they're filming in Morocco, right? Um, mm. Most of the desert scenes are in Morocco. As a matter of fact, the the Hamunaptra they built that in a dormant volcano in Morocco, which is <laughs> just kind of crazy, but. Being in Morocco, they they wanted to film in Egypt, but they couldn't fi- film in Egypt. Holy shit! They <laughs> wanted to large. film in Egypt, but they couldn't film in Egypt because of political turmoil. But you know, I, I guess they didn't feel like Morocco was all that safe of an option either, because they took out kidnapping insurance on their stars <laughs> and just didn't tell them. <laughs> It's something you love to find out when you're the stars after the fact. And yeah. Brendan Fraser's sitting there going, Jesus Christ, I almost died from suffocation or strangulation. They took out kidnapping insurance. And yeah. Rachel Weiss is like, and, and my nips were out. <laughs> and, you know, and and Summers knew about it, <laughs> you know, according <laughs> to the. No, guys, interweb. it's fine. You're good. Don't worry. It's no problem here. And he just didn't tell them either. I'm like, how do you not yeah. tell them? I but, feel like I would be annoyed. But. <laughs> but apparently, according to Brennan Fraser, one of Summers' favorite um, directions, actually, quote, one of Summers' favorite directions that he would give was, ready and don't suck, action. <laughs> and he would do that through a bullhorn. So <laughs> He's just walking around thing. Brennan Fraser's life yelling at him not to suck, and he's like, Jesus, <laughs> whatever your name is, Stephen Summers. Don't suck. Have you seen the whale? (laughs) (laughs) Whales don't suck. They have blowholes. Yeah. To avoid dehydration, the medical team on set concocted a drink that the cast and crew had to drink every two hours. Um, And, you know, obviously dehydration is a problem in the desert, but you also apparently they weren't prepared for all the stuff that was going to happen. They, you know, sandstorms were a problem like every day. Snakes, spiders, scorpions, and the, apparently, me crew members had to be airlifted out after being bitten. So, by 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 creepy crawlies of some kind. Yeah, scorpions, spiders, and snakes. I guess I mean, no, it doesn't get just specific. By Ar- bitten by Arnold Vosloo, maybe. 
<laughs> yeah. He's like, aha. There's, there's other accidental nudity in this as well. Oh. So during the filming of the scene where the scarab is like crawling under the skin of Omid uh, Jalili, he decided not to wear underwear. <laughs> you know, I he's, guess you don't wear it. He's like, there's no underwear in, in the desert. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no underwear in ancient Egypt. Nope. <laughs> there's no bras in space. There's no underwear in ancient Egypt. Well, um, actually, I look I looked it up, and it turns out the quote is actually, there's no underwear in space, not there's no bras in space, which I don't know if that makes it more egalitarian or just weirder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess we'll have to take a closer look at Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford when they're running around <laughs> and see if anything's don't mind jostling. <laughs> Omid Jalili is like, I was just taking my cues from, from Mark Hamill. <laughs> but when he's Very riding good. around, you know, like, when he's trying to get the, you know, he's freaking out with the scare, with the bug going mm-hmm. under his skin. When he's writhing around, his genitals actually pop out fairly often. <laughs> <laughs> so the editors had to do did their best to cut it all out. Uh, but there are apparently still a couple frames where you can see something when he's screaming, help me, and grabbing at his pants. Just so. think of the editors of this movie having to go through and, like, they're thinking they're getting into special effects to, like, you know, create movie monsters and magic and stuff. And meanwhile, they're just blurring out this guy's balls and Rachel Vice's nips. Yep. They're like, oh, there is another dick. Oh, there it is again. <laughs> they had to hire guys with back. I was going to say they have to hire people with backgrounds in porn, but, you know, porn, yeah. porn editors want want dicks and nips. So <laughs> they're doing the opposite of Tyler Durden and Fight Club. Exactly, they're editing them out. Yeah, and he's spar- he's parsing them in or splicing them in. That's what it was. Yeah. So one of one of the, my favorite things uh, about doing the research here was just how many different rumors there were of actors that were either offered or rumored to have been offered the role of Rick O'Connell. So, like, I was reading, I was like, oh, there was this person, right? This person was, uh, they rumored to have been interested in this person. And then I read further, and it's like, rumored to have been offered to this person. And then, so I read so many of them that I just, I wrote them all down so that you could hear all the different actors that they were going to apparently give Rick O'Connell to. <clears throat> this is everyone that had been considered. Sylvester Stallone, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt. Matthew McConaughey, Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Chris O'Donnell. Basically every hunk from the era. Yeah, exactly. They just put out a casting call for hunks. <laughs> the only one not on here is Schwarzenegger, which I think is a miss. <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't do the uh, the accent. Oh, and Jean Claude. Oh darn, they really missed oh. their they really missed something with that. I've I've got it. I, I know who it should have been now. Steven Seagal. <laughs> no. <laughs> I refuse to even joke about that. Well, well we're probably going to end up ra- ranking some of his movies. Can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait either. <laughs> um, I saw I, I saw a YouTube video about the most, I don't know, I can't even remember the movie it was, but the whole YouTube video was just, this is one of the worst movies. And I love that. I love that kind of content. I live for it. So I watched the whole thing and I was like, this does indeed like, I don't, it was one of the more recent ones. And like Steven Seagal almost never stands up. Like that's to the point. 
he's at <laughs> in his career, where it's not just that he's not doing stunts, he's not doing his own stuff, he's not even standing. He's always, like, seated. And, like, he's not, like, he could, because he could take roles as, like, the, um, you know, like, the shadowy, like, guy who's behind all of the machinations, right? Because then he could be sitting behind desks and things. No, he's still the star. Star. It's just, you know, he, he's always, like, in a fucking chair. Like, oh, I'm resting right now. What was I going to yeah. say? Oh, but it reminds me of the uh, the casting call for um, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Pretty similar movie. Um, yeah, very similar. <laughs> it was like the hot the hot audition for all the best male, you know, stars. Like all those, basically the exact same list. Well, so I'll give the last potent notable here. Mm. Um, I just thought this was kind of interesting. So, as I said before, it had an $80 million budget. $20 million of that $80 million budget was for special effects. You know, so, I guess I could see that, right? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's just sort of fascinating what, like, a large percentage of it was, you know? Hmm. Do you know much about, like, the, the background nope. of special effects? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's, let's move on. Then. No, no, go ahead. We're gonna back you. You dismissed that as fast as you did, Julie Newmar. You know? Do you know much about the history of drag? No, I do not. Let's, let's keep going. No, I was wondering. I w- I would love to not love to. I don't actually care. But it might be interesting to look at like whether that sort of percentage proportion has gone up or down or been pretty much similar. Because back then, even in 1999, it wasn't super, it wasn't quite to the same point it is today where everything has, you know, pretty, pretty excellent computer graphics. Right. Yeah, I don't, so, I, I would be very curious in that to, to, you know, find out what percentage of the budget actually goes to Ooh. special effects making. That That's a good idea. I mean, when, when we do our next um, more modern movie that has a lot of special effects, I'll, I'll try to see if I can find that. That might be fun. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. So I think now we can move on to the overview, the movie overview of The Mummy. And again, if you've made it this far in the podcast and didn't listen to me when I said it before, uh, spoilers, okay? (laughs) We're literally going to talk about the entire movie. So uh, buckle up. I like the idea of them not listening to you before. He's not He's not serious. He's joking around. <laughs> then you say it the second time, they're like, oh, man, he means business. We yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the, the first thing that I noticed right off the bat is uh, the special effects in that opening scene and in, uh, you know, where, wherever they're supposed to be. It's not Giza, Egypt, but it's... It's Thebes, City Thieves. of the Living. That's right. Yeah. Um, did not age well. Yeah, no. that's like one of the few parts of the movie that just doesn't look all that good. Yeah, because I would say that most of the special effects in it are pretty decent, you know? Yeah. Even though they're, you know, more than 20 years old. They're not bad. But that part was not was not good. Well, you know what I think it is, actually? I was considering it because I've been thinking a lot about special effects recently for some reason. Possibly the podcast about action movies we've been doing. Yeah, um, maybe. And kind of my, kind of one of my favorite things that that good movies do is blend the the like sets and you know like actual effects that are there and computer graphics. And this one does that pretty well. If you, I don't know if they're using a lot of indoor sets or a lot of on location stuff or mixes of both, but you know it's combining them in a, in, a, in an effective way that I find most convincing. Um, yeah. Like, 
like it's good to have actual stuff and then include the stuff that you can't have, like a mummy. And in that opening scene, it's probably mostly CGI since, you know, Thebes City of the Living is not a place you can go film and like have intact pyramids and shit and all that stuff. So it, may, it might look a little hokey because it's like kind of a video game, you know, cutscene basically. Yeah, I mean, and that's what it looked like. It looked like, mm-hmm. a, you know, I was playing a video game on the old PlayStation. But mm-hmm. um, but I, that's a good point. I think, you know, you can get away with that a lot more now just because mm-hmm. of how advanced it all is, you know. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. you look at a Marvel movie. I mean, even like, it's just because I'm thinking of it. I don't want to get too far into this. But I think of the most recent Thor, and he's in that, that big chamber with uh, Zeus and everything. I mean, it looks real. You know, mm. it's not like you know logically that they didn't build that set. Yeah, but it looks real. That's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen images from the uh, sets of those um, of those movies. Yeah, and me too. Like the the Marvel ones, I don't know, stand out particularly because I've seen pictures and it's all of the actors and it's just li- they're li- literally everything is green and it's like that must be an interesting. You know, uh, yeah. But, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Environment to act in, but um, I would think you know, it's I, harder to act as an action star now in some ways than it was. Like harder as in terms of acting, as opposed to harder on your body. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's got to be because you know you're trying to talk to, you know, you're trying to do a scene with uh, James Brolin, and he and he's got a fucking Thanos costume on his head. <laughs> yeah. If you ever seen it, it's like a whole rake that like yeah. puts Thanos' head where Thanos' head actually is. Right, and you have to look up to that while he's talking yeah. at to you like <laughs> where his actual head is. Yeah. Um, Pretend. Otherwise you look like you're talking to Thanos' crotch. Right. <laughs> that's a different movie. Yeah, yep. yep. That was, that's a different... Still good. Still good. Da- Daddy Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> Thanos hanger. So I, you know, I thought it was really interesting that they did so much uh, exposition. Yeah. Right in the right in the opening, like there's just so much of it. Um, actually, you know what was what was cool is that um, Stephen Summers was originally going to have Imhotep do the the voiceover for that, mm. but then realized that it didn't make any sense because he wouldn't have known English, so he had <laughs> somebody else do it. You know that is actually that's really neat. That's some good filmmaking because I think that works. It does. Him, but I would not have thought about the fact that he doesn't know English until it was too late. So well spotted by him. In fact, it's that's a, that's a scene I like, the one where he recognizes Hebrew. We'll get there, but I I think that's a nice little touch. So yeah, I, I do too. Obviously, actually. they were th- they were thinking about that sort of thing. So well done. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was. I, I yeah, I mean, you know, for as sort of fun and a lot of times silly this movie is, I thought it was cool that you know that he did that, um, and it, it got me engaged right from the beginning. I think it's pretty good, and I don't know who the who does the voiceover, but pretty convincing, pretty epic. In a it's it's one of the actors that that are in the film, but I can't remember which. Oh, one it's, I, I, th- I think it's F. Murray Abraham actually. <laughs> That's hey. a, nobody knows that joke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Future well, foreshadowing, for yeah. That, foreshadowing for something that's gonna come up um, <laughs> that came up in the original recording that didn't get recorded. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, but, no, that's anyway. okay. I, I think that's uh, yeah. So, 
Anyway, I yeah. Forgot, I, I which, you know, I would be a horrible time traveler because I wouldn't know which timeline I was in. <laughs> like, if I traveled to a different timeline where we didn't do that episode and I said that, you'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'd be like, oh, shit, we didn't do that in this reality. <laughs> Let me go to a different plane of existence where we talked about that. Uh, I wanted to mention um, Emotep really quick since we're introduced to him right away. Um, that he is, you know, a priest of the high priest, I guess, is just all he was. <laughs> um, and uh, he's, uh, I, I, they seem to have used the name Emotep because it was also used in the original 1932 Boris Karloff movie. But um, he, there was a real guy named Emotep, and he is one of the first architects who actually gets a name in human history. Like, we actually know that he designed something called the Pyramid of Djoser, which is a much older structure, actually than it would be. He lived like a good thousand years before the action of the movie. Um, of course, it might be a different Emotep, but one one fact of Egyptian life was that ordinary people didn't get their names written down very frequently. So, um, And he was deified after his death, which is very rare for someone who isn't an actual pharaoh. Uh, so that's just interesting that, he, you know, or at least I thought it was interesting that they maybe they just picked a Greek, uh, an Egyptian name, and they were like, all right, Emotep it is. But uh, I kind of like the idea that he was maybe also the same character, and he was an architect as well as being the priest of the high priest or whatever. I don't know. I, know, I, like I, think, I think it was meant to be that, that same guy. That same guy, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I read a little bit about that too, and um, yeah, I think, I think they were going for the same guy. Actually, fascinatingly enough, uh, Emotep means like... Uh, Something like I can't remember what it was. Do you remember what it was? No, I do remember it was something, something like he who visits or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, there's they say that you know his architecture is is actually that's he's like the first alien. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know people people will talk about like oh well, pyramids they were so advanced and there are pyramids all over the world it's got to be aliens and it's like no sacking bricks on top of one another is pretty pretty simple and uh it's still a great work of art it's still great like, and a great accomplishment but if you're going to stack bricks on top of one another a pyramid it's sort of how they fall but let's see <laughs> oh wait I, I almost had his name there for a second then i lost it um and he actually was a high priest of the sun god ra at heliopolis so why not so there you go that i didn't know that in. yeah there we are i and knew that he, they said it was the wrong uh, pharaoh it wasn't yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's true, but oh well. So his name means um, weird fan thing bird and uh, um, half, half circle and square underneath a, a a longer rectangle. Oh, that's I get it now. Yeah, <laughs> it actually means so he, he was an alien. He was an alien because he introduced bizarre hieroglyphs to, to human beings as well as stacking rocks on top of one another in a pyramidal form. But his name means he who comes in peace. That's and, what it was, he who comes in peace. And and we frequently like to imagine aliens as saying that they come in peace. Right, right. Even when they don't. No, they all do. Oh, okay, cool. That's why we've never had science fiction. <laughs> You're right, we've never actually been attacked by aliens to our knowledge. So, <laughs> no, in, no welcome to Earth here. Actually, when they say welcome to Earth, they mean it, and they don't punch you. Exactly, exactly. 
Um, maybe that's maybe that's what solves the Fermi paradox. Why aliens don't visit us? They 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 see our movies and they're like, damn, these people are. They are not going to be friendly. <laughs> no, they don't like us. Every time we're in one of their movies, they end up punching us. So, from Thebes, we sort of we jump to Rick, mm. right? So now we're in the desert, and Rick's shooting at people. Um, you know, you know, two thousand one: A Space Odyssey is supposed to be the the largest flash forward in in cinematic history given that it starts in, like, you know, human, uh, three million years ago, and uh, then we flashed to 2001. Um, this one this one is not quite three million years ago, but it is a long time. We do skip ahead to quite a bit. Oh, wait, did we even talk about the... Did we mention about why the mummy is the mummy? Because we were just talking about him being the high priest. Oh, we didn't. Yeah, so let's go back. We'll pause there. So, yeah, I feel kind of bad for Imatep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of shitty. He's just like, yeah, I, I like this girl. And then they're like, yeah, well, you're not allowed to touch her. Just touch. Like, smeared the 14 hours worth of makeup that they had to put on, the paint or whatever they had to put on her. Yeah, Which you know. also, by the way, fun first opening scene, can yeah. I just say. I uh, yeah. don't know how to say her name. But I don't need to. <laughs> I don't think anybody else knows how to say it either. All the, all the, all the pharaoh knows when you know she walks in is you know wowza, yowie, <laughs> yowie, and like, yowie, yowie, <laughs> and and like uh, tapping his foot on the ground as his as his heart pumps out of his chest. Exactly, and he, goes, and he, he turns goes, into a wolf. Yeah, <laughs> a zoot zoot cartoon wolf. But uh, initially, I sent you that meme about how you know basically everyone who is Sometimes people call this the uh, the the bisexual classic, the Mummy, because everyone who is either bi or pan or whatever else uh, really enjoyed the Mummy for six seven reasons, all of whom are stars of the movie. But you mentioned last time that you know your list kind of begins and ends with uh with uh with her with, with yeah. Yowie Yowie Zowie whatever yeah. her name is her her name translated literally means ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, hello there. Yeah, I, her her name literally means hello, nurse. That's what, her, what her name means? <laughs> She's an animaniac. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emotepis comes in peace. She's hello, nurse. He's like, I do come in peace, baby. She's like, I know you do. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Her name is Peace. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm really throwing out every every joke oh, of that kind I can and see what sticks. That's what that he, that's was what a good said. one. Uh, that's a good one. But the but the pharaoh isn't happy about that because he's not allowed to touch her and not by her. and and when we say he's not allowed to touch her, it's not like she's like don't fucking touch me. It's that the pharaoh is like I own her and no one else can touch her, so she has to live in gold paint apparently. Yeah, which like you know, <gasps> isn't the whole kind of idea is that you're trying to like. Effort a lot. <laughs> she has to reapply gold paint every time he touches her, and it takes fourteen hours. That's what. That's well, what else does she have to do? Yeah, that's... work work out possibly do squats. Right, kegels, a lot of kegels. <laughs> you just made me spit out my tea, <laughs> and I don't mean that like in a gossipy way. I didn't just spit out tea. I just really spit out tea. <laughs> this fucker threw out kegels, but uh. 
Uh, no, em- Emotep is touching her, and um, and the Pharaoh doesn't like it. Seti is uh, Seti, the which first or the second? Oh. Which, by the way, search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Hello. How about that? Come on, people, wake <laughs> up, sheeple. Am I right? Yeah. Well, yeah, wake yeah. up, sheeple. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, there's aliens. Yeah, because of this movie, I guess. But um, because <laughs> of this movie and a language that is long extinct happens to also also be an, an acronym, not an acronym. It is an acronym, but it's also an acronym. <laughs> that was they kind of a double. It. They planned it. They time they absolutely language. did. Those, which is why I get so confused. I don't know which timeline I'm in. Is it the one where the aliens came, or the ones where they didn't, or the ones? No, they came. They're time traveling aliens. They they came in. They came in. So they're from parts. the future. So mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna eat them way in the future, but they went back in time to like really fuck us up. <laughs> they were like, we could just go to like present times, and the technology wouldn't surprise them. But we'll go way back in time, and nobody will know how they built this pyramid. Yeah, but and and they just like the idea. They like saw that we would have like thousands yeah. of years of like being like, I think it's aliens, <laughs> and they thought it right. would be hilarious. These these are just time traveling, uh, you know, intergalactic pranksters. Really, they're just. They're just like, let's watch, see if they notice that we replaced their actual, their actual ancient civilization with a with a fake one. I mean, I mean, they did kind of get the last laugh. If you think about it, right? Because like, you know, I think the show is on the History Channel. You're you're absolutely right, but I think we really need to see if they will have gotten, they if they will will have gotten the last laugh in the future. No, because I'm gonna get Rowdy Roddy Piper to come back <laughs> okay. from the past. Okay. He's going to okay. wear his sunglasses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kill yes, all those not, fuckers. Let's not do that. Well, actually, well, anyway. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it, in the uh, the second uh, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books, it's about time travel partly. And, and the narrator mentions that the hardest part about time travel is tense because you get all mixed up about what tense you're using. And yeah. I think that's how I, that's how I feel right now. I'm not even sure what we're even... Yeah, talking about it anymore, and it's not because I'm confused in general. It's just no. Well, I guess anyway, I guess I am confused in general. I'm just a confused <laughs> person. But no, uh, I think that the gold paint is one of the things that makes that opening sequence so striking. They just made a lot of visual choices that look really cool. Yeah, and I don't know that the gold paint makes sense, but it looks cool, and that's important to immediately be like, oh, this is cool looking. Well, I think the the idea is is that. They loved gold, right? Ooh, and so ooh. treasure hunters want to go there because they think everything is gold. And and meanwhile, all of the stuff that's actually gold, meaning primarily the paint on their skin, has been decomposed for how long? Yeah, how ironic. Right. Exactly. That is incredibly ironic. Except for all the actual gold stuff in the in the uh, in the right the tombs, Benny finds the tombs. Yeah, yeah. The Benny kept reminding me of um, the monkey from a lot yeah. in this movie. Apu. Yeah, because of how he's running around grabbing gold constantly. And also, he looks a little bit like a monkey. No offense. He's got a monkeyish aspect. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I should agree. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I think he's just white. I looked at the actor's name. He seems to just be a white guy, so it's okay. Okay. Uh, if he really is white, then yes. If not, nope. He doesn't. If not, I wait, maybe he isn't white. <laughs> Oh, he's he's played by Kevin J. O'Connor. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds that sounds uh you know that sounds Arabic right. to me. Um, <laughs> he's my you know he's like excuse me just because my oh my 
Just because my last name is O'Connor doesn't mean I'm white. Just ask Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. I emigrated. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So. In in 1923. But but no, he's touching. He's touching. Yeah. He's touching her. And then, you know, Imachev gets sentenced to death. Like an excruciating death. Yeah. For it. So who Um, do you think sentenced him, though? Because they killed the Pharaoh, right? Because, like, they're fucking, and the Pharaoh's like, who touched you? And they're both like, fuck you. And they go kill him. But so then who sentences him to death? The new pharaoh? Is there a new pharaoh? There's got to be a new pharaoh. But That's a good point. Son. I hadn't even really thought about that. I guess it's just the guards. Yeah. <laughs> we now have, we speak with the pharaoh's voice now because the pharaoh can't say we don't. He's dead. Yes. We just don't like you. Yeah, we don't like that you killed the pharaoh because he gave us money. <laughs> um, he and, gave us all uh, this fancy gold paint for our skin. Yeah, so anyway, Imhotep gets... An excruciating death at the hands of, I guess, nobody. Um, <laughs> and and, uh, and so does his uh, his lady friend uh, yeah. as he's trying to bring her back to life. And and then we're back in Egypt three thousand years later. Um, flash forward, yeah, yeah. Flash forward, and we've got uh, Daddy Rick, you know, <laughs> just plowing down some enemies, just plowing. That's a different and, movie, but I mean, I'd watch that too. <laughs> He's um, like, come here, come here, Benny. Benny runs away. <laughs> so here's here's what I don't understand, right? So there's like he's you know killing all these people, and they, and I'm willing to accept that they catch up to him, and the crazy shit happens with the sand, and they're like, well, fuck this, I'm leaving. Mm. I, I can understand that a face comes out of the sand, and you're like, yeah, okay, I don't need to kill this guy. I guess I just want to <laughs> leave. But then they show the guys up on the hill, right? Yeah. They're like yeah. overlooking like the overlords of the, this secret society, which we'll find out later. And um, they're like, oh, yeah, he's a tough one. And then they go, should we kill him? No. Nah. <laughs> Why kill him? You know, we need him for the rest of the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but why, sir? Why should we not kill him? The script demands it. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I'm like, to me, it's like, why even have that scene? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't really... I think you could have had that scene where they're just like, uh, you know, they say something like, I can't believe he got away or something. He's tough. That, that would be a good change because it, it does the exact same purpose without having any kind of weird implications whatsoever. And then, you know, you could even be like, we need to put a man on him. Like, yeah. keep an eye on him. Diff- another catch different up movie. Him. Yeah. But anyway, um, so then after that happens, we jump over to England, jolly old England, and um, and we get uh, Rachel Evelyn, who uh, pretty much immediately knocks over an entire <laughs> library of bookshelves, which, by the way, they had to do that in one shot. So... Just because it took too long to set up, or yeah, well, so they they had to set it. It took all day to set up, and then apparently uh-huh. the place they were using they couldn't use the next day. Oh, so, I see, I see. So yeah, they uh, she knocks it, it all over, and then it's just one camera that's swiveling mm-hmm. 360 degrees. So she has to do that, and then duck under the camera as it goes back, as it goes by, then pop back up so that she can say, "Oops, movie making." I swear it's a, and I don't know if that. Is like, you know, with, with Jaws where they had to do a particular thing because of constraints and it ended up making a better shot. Or if they just decided to do that in the first place. 
But uh, either way, the shot ends up looking great. So congratulations to them. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that he was able to get that shot without having, you know, yeah. any backup plan, you know? Imagine her big hair is, like, in the way just ever so slightly. And you're like, damn it, Rachel Yeah, Weiss. exactly. You have to edit your hair out as well as your nips? She's like, they're one and the same, my friend. <laughs> Hairy nips. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I... <laughs> And then, like, I think you're supposed to empathize with her, but to me, I'm like, I empathize with the guy that comes in and all his shit's busted. He's kind of understandably upset. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, it's pretty reasonable that he's like, clean this shit up, you know, like, what the hell? Which no one ever seems to do, that that library's just... I know, she just leaves, and then she's like, oh, brother, jump scare. (laughs) Which, the the jump scare did get Yeah. It's a a pretty good jump scare, not gonna lie, because... It's, again, that's just good movie making, you know? And it's a good yeah. introduction, to, introduction to Jonathan. Jonathan right. Who, who has brought uh, an artifact, which is apparently a key. Oh. Um, and inside this key is a ridiculous map. <laughs> <laughs> like they brought it to Staples and put it on glossy <laughs> paper. <laughs> it's strange that the ancient Egyptians laminated this. Well, you yeah. know, to make sure it was protected. <laughs> The thing that no one ever must find, but here's the really well-done map. Yeah, they're like, nobody can find this guy, because if he wakes up from this uh, eternal death sentence where he's eaten alive every 20 years, um, like, he'll be able to take over the world, destroy the world. <laughs> it's a real, like, you know, it's a real strange curse. Yeah, real you strange curse. this guy, but then... Also, real strange that you'd have a map that leads to him. <laughs> yeah, just bury him in the desert and forget yeah, about him. You know? Just you know, who cares, right? No need to put Six him feet under, special. you know, and like who cares? Instead, also, they leave a, a map that's like definitely don't go open, find this guy. No matter what you do, don't go find him with this map we provided you. Right, and then also a key to get into his tomb. To and get a into key his specifically coffin. <laughs> yeah, and if you have the if you have the one, you obviously well, if you have the map, you obviously found it in the key. So that's all. That's just so smart. Yeah, exactly. And all the Egyptologists are like, well, no, I want to go find him. Because you told me not to. Yeah, exactly. I think there's gold. Um, <laughs> he, we definitely didn't bury him with treasure. And then, the, you know, the guy who is mad at her for being so inept with his uh, library then burns the map. And uh, I know we find out that it was on purpose, but if it yeah. wasn't. Like, I kind of, now I uh, do empathize with her, because, uh, <laughs> well, clearly this guy's a fucking moron, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is just the most inept bunch of the, the Bumblage scholars, maybe. They are just, like, knocking over books, burning maps that, like, are, you know, here's some ancient artifacts. Whoops! I'm like, really, guys? This is, yeah. yeah. Can we get somebody better on, like, ancient artifacts, please? <laughs> Who isn't destroying them at every turn, please? <laughs> no, well, that do- would actually... No, go on. Well, I was going to say, they do get kind of slapstick throughout this movie. It's a bit slapsticky, that's for sure. Which, but it, 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 it's only slightly inaccurate. It's a European's <laughs> general behavior toward, toward other cultures and their, and their ancient history. Oh, I disagree. Oh, really? Well, yeah. in that case, what about, I, th- I don't know if it was Howard Carter or someone else who was famous for going in there with dynamite, just being like, all right, let's blast. Oops, I destroyed that entire temple. Oh, well. More dynamite, please. Might not have yeah. been Howard Carter. It might have been another guy. But point being is that uh, well, in general, the, here's the thing that you have to remember, Zach, is that mm-hmm. um, 
if you're not white European, then your culture is not just just not good. So no, it's we can be worthless. Yeah, it's, it's not good and worthless, but we're also we're taking it. Whatever we don't blow up, we're gonna <laughs> right. take. Yeah, it's and worth... keep through the year 2023 in many cases. Yeah, well, well, no, we English, found it. British Museum. We found it in we, your house. Yeah, we we literally took it from you, mm-hmm. and then said, "Well, but we found it." Mm-hmm. Sinbad, Sinbad the comedian, not Sinbad the sailor, used to have a uh, a bit in his stand-up where you know Columbus discovered the New World the same way that that guy discovered your car stereo. I didn't think you knew about it. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, Sinbad the comedian is a. Uh, we should do Jingle all the way. We can include him. You know, I, that is kind of a little bit of an action comedy, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure if it would be action or not. We'll have to check. Because um, final rule, I actually, action. I actually have. I saw that fairly recently because Sarah was like trying to find Christmas movies for us to watch, um, and that's what she landed on. Well, it was you know we were trying to get Lyndon to like allow us to watch something that wasn't YouTube, um, <laughs> and so, so kids, we were watching that. And I'm like, wow, this is not. Uh, I think if we did end up ranking it, it might get a great acting ranking from me. Mm, really? Yeah, no, it wouldn't. Um, is, so, it because, <laughs> is it because of Paul White, the giant, slash the big show and his performance? No, his was good. His, his was good. <laughs> he was convincingly large. Yeah. <laughs> he really is that large. Well, he is pretty large. Did you, <laughs> did you see that he had a. Uh, sitcom on netflix no it was the big show show (laughs) i didn't see that and you know something my initial reaction is that i don't want to know about that but Uh, i i actually watched i think the first two episodes were they good no no (laughs) it's what you would expect it to be terrible but well, I was like, I wanted to give it a shot because, you know, I as we've discussed earlier, I'm like desperate for wrestlers to become actors. I have no idea why. Don't I, I don't, don't know why either, frankly. But but uh, but yeah, I was like, yeah, sure, the Big Show show. This sounds good. Like, no, he continues to not be good. Um, anyway, remember, remember <laughs> I'm on this now. Remember <laughs> Vader, the the wrestler Vader, and yes, he, he I remember played... Vader. He played that fat guy's dad in a um, in a Boy Meets World. Oh, so maybe, that's right. <laughs> maybe uh, Big Show is trying to follow in Invader's footsteps. Yeah, I'm sure that's what he was thinking. I want to be well, like Vader. So, I ter- is the Big Show show? Is he just the Big Show? It's not like fictional. It's just about him. Yeah, it's like him with his daughter. Because I'm watching like, uh, the trailer for it right now. Yeah. <laughs> so how big are these kids, though, is my question. The kids are tiny, <laughs> along with everybody else that comes anywhere near him. <laughs> they should get someone just as big, and then it would be unexpected, but not funny. Oh, wait, oh, is Urkel in this? I don't know. I didn't get that far into it. I think Urkel is in this. <laughs> this is the most excited I've ever been. Urkel is in this, and the big show... His acting looks better than I was expecting. Yeah, it's not terrible, but it's, you know, I mean, it's... How big is the wife? Is she big, too? No. Are they all big? This is my only question, is how big is everyone? No, no, how big he is, is the only one that is big. 
<laughs> Probably because he's just about the largest person on Earth, and they couldn't find, they couldn't afford Yao Ming. So well, that is... well, they brought in Giant Gonzalez. So. Oh, did they? Was he in his muscle suit? Is yeah. my question. <laughs> no, the no, they didn't bring show. I, I don't know if that guy's oh. even still alive, but <laughs> yeah, um, big guys tend to die. Uh, yes, yeah. Urkel is in the Big Show show. Thank you. Great. Well, I'm <laughs> glad we solved that one. Um, so the mummy. Um, <laughs> um, also, Dallas Dupree Young, who's a young black kid, is playing a t- character in the, in the Big Show show named Taylor Swift. That's just the name of the character. And I don't know. If, I don't know if they hired a young black man to they... play the actual person Taylor Swift or what. But wow, how did they clear that one? Um, Oh, also, that, also, no, no, you need to know. <laughs> you're, you're the one who brought up the Big Show show and got me excited. Mark Henry was in an episode or two. The world's strongest man, or the strongest yeah. man on earth, or whatever they called him. I think it was the world's strongest man. I think, it's I think it was Henry. too, actually. Yeah, you know, <laughs> who else is uh, world's strongest man back in 1920s? Uh, Mr. Rick O'Connell. So, oh. um. I did think when we were uh, <laughs> we were watch when I was watching it is that the the whole like uh, you know he's going up for the hanging or whatever and and then they're like what's your final wish and he's like I I, I wish to not do this and then mm-hmm. they look back like should we let him go like, <laughs> yeah I I don't know it kind of took me out a little bit because I'm just like that seems kind of silly um, it, it, it strikes me as one of those. Uh... One of those jokes that where like you know the movies where it's just nothing but improv today, and they leave in some where it's like, all right, we get it, you, you're improving, it's funny, but like that's a little much. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. And I know I don't know if it was like that. Stephen Summers was like, well, it's a hanging, so I'd really like to lighten up the mood. But then like <laughs> yeah. he uh, continues with like the slapstick stuff where he has that negotiation where she's like, you know, thirty, and then he says twenty five, and then he's like, oh. Mm-hmm. Darn, yeah. you got me. <laughs> you and your Bugs Bunny logic. Yeah, exactly. Um, and meanwhile, this is why Brendan Fraser almost died. Because they're making, right, exactly. They're and they're doing slapstick, slapstick jokes. humor. Yeah. He's, he's over there like, no, I'm literally suffocating. And they're he's like, like, oh, it's a good joke, but... Yeah. <laughs> Very good guys. Cut me, cut me down. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe save my life before we go on with the slapstick humor. Yeah. Um, and then, so you know... I- Solafa Afatu, Rikishi. Remember Rikishi? Yes, I remember Rikishi. That's who Salafa Afatu is. I knew it. I knew it. Also on the Big Show show, Tan France from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. So he fits as well. I don't know why. But. So, listener, I do apologize because this this is because we've already recorded this. I, I, I'm going to leave this all in because I feel like it's important that people learn about the big show show. Um, <laughs> Netflix is going to be like, why did our viewership of the big show show go up by one? <laughs> we didn't even actually know this. I'm kidding. Um, but so then, you know, now, just, now just she's, she's like made this quest and she's, she's found Rick, which by the way, again, like why was there a map? Yeah. It, it served no purpose at all. Um, they find the map and immediately go find the guy who can lead them there. Right, well. exactly. So who Instead needs of the map? Following the map. And then uh, the 
the, so I thought it was cool because they, you know, they go to the port that's in Giza, right? Um, but that's actually England. That's Surrey, mm-hmm. England, which I thought was kind of neat. And then they're on the boat, and I'm, I'm to harken back to what Zach mentioned earlier. I am positive that that guy was F. Marie Abraham. <laughs> I don't know why he was in this movie and why he had such a small role, uh, but it, I don't know who else it could be. It was definitely. <laughs> I don't know who else it could be, and the internet can't inform me, so it's F. Marie Abraham. Oh, I'm not looking it up. I'm speculating wildly. Hold on, um, look it up. Played by Kevin J. O'Connell. Huh. What this? Nope. Um, but speaking of Benny, actually, on that on that boat scene, you yeah. know, when when Rick is going to throw him off, he uh, he says, "Think of my children." That was actually an ad lib. He just mm. said it in the moment. Um, so I so thought it was kind of funny. So they did improv in this movie just the once though, and also and the also only one Brennan, I know about. Well, and Brendan Fraser's improv decision to almost die. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that was method. His ad, his ad lib to decide that breathing is necessary for life. Well, well, I think it's to be I like the idea that organism. he would be like so method acting that he's like willing to die for the role, Absolutely. and they're like, and they're like thirty, no twenty five. Oh, I got you. <laughs> rabbit like, season, duck season, choices. rabbit season, um, and Fun season. You know, you know, Brendan. Brendan Fraser actually doesn't strike me as a method actor, though, so maybe that's not worth no. it. He strikes me as an actor-actor. Yeah, I agree with that. And I will say, I get why people say Daddy Rick in this. He is, he is a hunk in this. He's a, he's a hunk of hunk of burning love. Yeah, he does not, you know, I, no offense, Brendan, if you ever listen to this, because I'm sure you definitely will. Um, I... I I don't want to. I I think you know you're not bad looking or anything, but you you just don't look as good now as you did then. <laughs> just like it's such a drastic difference. How what happened? I, I think thirty years passed. Not thirty, but twenty something. Yeah, I guess it'd be twenty three, twenty two. The point is, is that um, yeah, what a what a what 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 a man, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I can't deny it. Good looking guy. Um, but I will say that his character had a ridiculous amount of him. Like his guns just kept <laughs> firing. Yeah. He also enjoyed shooting them. He was his character loved to, to shoot his gun. Um, and I, I as I'm like watching this movie, I'm like, man, I, I forgot how campy this was. Mm. And sometimes it does get. It does verge on the too campy, but for the most part, it's, it's just kind of fun, you know. Yeah, it's 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 got a lot of classic Hollywood kind of you know charm to it, but also you know bordering on the silly. And I saw someone someone involved with the Mummy here mentioning that the part of the reason that they think that the Tom Cruise Mummy, the newer one, didn't work is because it took itself too damn seriously. And people seem to really respond to the silliness in this movie. So who knows? Yeah, I think that's. You know, I think when you have like a monster movie like this, that's based on like the classic monster movies, you know, mm, mm. I think a certain amount of silliness has to be incorporated, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's a good point that it probably was that, you know, they took it too seriously. Um, and, and, you know, and I think there are nice, there's moments in this that take you out of 
the the campiness and everything. Um, and they do a good job of it, especially like just giving you the scenery, right? Like the mm-hmm. desert. And yeah. and this actually goes back to a point that we make we've made a lot in, in the other episodes that we really like practical fact. I mean, they really rode the camels. They, they were in the desert. They like, they did these things uh-huh. and it really kind of puts you there. Um, it, it, it really it, kind it of makes does. a difference. Yeah. It, it's, it's engaging in a way that they did, you know, that, that movies aren't always when you can tell that like, all right, this is really some really bad, you know, some really bad backdrops and sets and things that don't look like the actual desert. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's even if it's done well, I think, you know, when you have to cut to like a close up of somebody on a quote unquote camel mm-hmm. and then you back off and you're far away, you you just you know, it's not it, it takes you out of it. Right. But when you're yeah. seeing them ride a camel, you're like, oh, they're, they're you know, this is happening in real time. Yeah. And that's a, you make a great point because there's, you might think that, oh, if it's a silly movie anyway, it's okay if we have some silly effects that don't look so good because people are already in like a silly mood. But there's, there's a, there's a point after which you're like, this is just like a D movie. You know what I mean? This does a good job of like silly, but then also we're still engaged with the movie and not like writing it off because it's the, just a piece of trash. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly right. Um, and then I, I really enjoyed when they get to Hamunaptra. Wow. <laughs> you, speaking of Looney Tunes logic, you keep <laughs> accidentally turning into Porky Pig when you say that. Um So, but I really enjoy they they find Hamunaptra and, you know, it's like appears out of nothing for, I don't really understand how it appeared, but, <laughs> yeah, um, not sure either. but then Everybody there is like, oh my gosh, it's Oh my god, that is amazing. And then and then Brandon Fraser says the line, Here we go again. Mm-hmm. And he just delivered it so well. And it's like such a like a perfect line in that moment where he's like it shows that he, he's already been there, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like, This is gonna suck. <laughs> it's a level of movie star charisma you gotta admire. Right, right. We were talking about that with The Rock in uh, Central Intelligence that it's it's not an easy I don't know how I don't know exactly what it is, but there's a quality where someone says a line and you're like, cool. <laughs> Instead of that's cheesy. Right, yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, it's a hard line to walk. And I think that you know, the really good action stars are able to walk it, you know, which is why he had that huge list of real action stars that uh that were that the studio was apparently gunning for for this movie and Chris O'Donnell. Um, <laughs> damn that was that was harsh right there <laughs> sorry chris man i it was just for the joke i wasn't i don't i don't think less of you you, you were a great o- robin yeah you made chris o'donnell just hang his head in shame there and then he had to go back to sweeping up at burger king first get hey, back to work i think he's on like his 18th season at ncis or something so oh shit he's in that show right the one with uh... i don't know mark Harmon's in it i know that <laughs> Hold on, let me go look I'm, it up. I'm don't worry, I won't 80, get off. I'm not 87, so I don't watch NCIS. So. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to get all off track like I did with the big show show. No, I think I think LL Cool, LL cool J is in whichever one he's in, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I think uh, Uncle is in that one too. <laughs> Moving on. 
But so then they 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 they're at Hamonoptera, and this is another like cool moment, and it's just like a background moment. But he, Brendan Fraser is like flicking the rope mm-hmm. at the Omidjah Lily guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just funny, you know. It's like a it's like a background catch type thing, but it's uh, it's a cool little thing that they kept in there. It's in character, and it's not too silly. Right, it's exactly. fun enough that you're like, <laughs> and that guy sucks. So yeah. And also and then, talk about like some really minor, like uh, some really minor revenge. He he hangs you. You like slap him with a rope a couple of times. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Although he does have kind of a ridiculous. I still am not convinced that he's dead. Yeah. With his death scene, where you know, yeah, he, he apparently bumps into a wall too hard. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I mean, so the bug thing was gross. I'm not a fan of the seeing things crawling under the skin. That mm-hmm. creeps me out. So that got me, and then like he he ran into a wall and died. I'm confused. <laughs> okay, and, and it's and I get the feeling that they encountered that same thing at some point during the filmmaking process because the very next line is "So he's dead now," or "So that killed him." Like yeah. just to make sh- just to make sure that we understand that yes, he's dead. It wasn't just and a then of course hilarious head bonk. <laughs> and then of course immediately loot him. And this was yeah. a, and this was his scene where he got to show his dick off too. So. Oh. That's why they killed the character off. They were going to keep him, and then they were like, put your nuts back in, Omid Jalili. He's like, I will not. It's my principles. I'm a method actor. I only acted my nuts out. <laughs> no underwear in Egypt. <laughs> no underwear in ancient Egypt slash 1923 Egypt. Right, um, exactly. It's um, a higher sequence with the, with the camping. It's like camp, the camp where they set up. It's, it, it, I like it, but it confuses me, because I'm still not 100% sure where these other... Egyptologist types came from these American adventurers, treasure hunters. Yeah, so American that all they do is you know shoot have, guns, shoot guns, and hide behind things in order to better facilitate their gun shooting. <laughs> and their weird and their weird Egyptologist man who is helping them for some hey, reason. That's F. Murray Abraham. F. Murray F. Murray Abraham. Um, F. Murray uh, um, F. Murray Moses maybe because he's in Egypt. <laughs> so F. Moses Abraham. That's what it stands for. There you go. Um, there you go. And like, I, I'm just I, they they enter the movie and, like and just here they are and they're like in it for a lot and it just confuses me, not yeah. in a bad way, just in a confusing way. And then they, you know, and they have like kind of an over the top scene with them too, where they have that Mexican standoff. That's like, it, I know it was like the the point was to be silly, mm. but I feel like they they did the gun thing one too many times. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's one of those things where, like, I feel like when you're on set and you're the actor, you know, the actors and the, even the, you know, the director, everybody that's in it, they're like, they were laughing, right? They're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, this is so funny. And then yeah. you leave it in. But then, like, you're not putting yourself in the audience's shoes where you're like, okay. Yeah. They're not remembering how hilarious it was in person. They're like, no, but it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. But anyway, yeah, so um, now the, you know, after that whole thing happens and you've got the ancient secret society or whatever that come over and are incredibly inept at protecting this place. But yeah, seriously, <laughs> but in, in, in this version of protecting it, they're like, listen, OK, <laughs> what I'd like you to do is just <laughs> take your time, pack things up and and leave. But uh, no rush, you know. <laughs> You must leave by sundown. But really, you know, it's not not no no big thing. Just yeah, like 
so it makes the line from earlier of like, should we kill him? Like, yeah. could you have though? Because it doesn't <laughs> seem like you could have. Really, that's why they said no. No, the desert would kill him. Also, we're horrible at this, and yeah. it's just gonna make us look bad. <laughs> um, and then uh, you know, so then apparently they leave. So then everybody's like, oh, fine, we're happy now. Let's get let's get drunk. Mutual Vice, I have to say, did not do uh, did not do the best job of drunk acting in this part. Um, I said it left a little to I I think it left a little to be desired. Um, and also apparently terrible at punching. Yeah. So I'm not sure why the punch made her fall forward. Also, <laughs> it was like a weirdly solid hit on the hand. Like I mean. Yeah, for real. I don't understand what happened I thought, there. I, I thought that that was trying to signal that she now knows how to punch, because it was not a bad punch. And I was like, oh, she's going to punch the mummy later. So we're going to go. She Rick showed her how to punch. But no, just apparently nope. she's not good at She's not good at balance, I guess. We already know that she's not very good with whole, not knocking everyone, including herself, over. Yeah, and this is part of like my issue with her character, is that uh, you know, throughout they keep telling us that she's like tough to deal with or whatever, but I'm like, is she, <laughs> you know, like seems like you kind of just toss her to the side whenever you need to. Pretty um, much kind of literally, you know, yeah. Yeah. And move her to a different room. And then like, you know, so this guy's got the, this book of the dead F Murray Abraham has it. <laughs> and then he just falls asleep and she's like, Oh, it's fine now. You know, well, you know, it was weird a, how easy it was for her to get that book. Yeah, and uh, the similar similar problem with me where they keep saying she's brilliant, except she's kind of a kind of a dinkus. Right. Just let me just read from this book of the dead, and like I was it, this was the same scene where she was drunk because like it's like a version of drunk texting where she's like drunk incanting, drunk summoning. Yeah, drunk drunk incanting. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Gotta be careful what monsters you summon when you're drunk. You're gonna end up right. End up you just it. never know. Don't read the book of Wicca when you're when you're <laughs> drunk. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, but I will say that even though I thought it was weird that she's just like, oh, I have this now, you know, um, mm-hmm. and then starts reading from it randomly. They, you know, they they kept having these whooshing, the air whooshing through. Yeah. And. It would have bordered on ridiculous, but they actually did the right thing by having Brendan Fraser say, "That happens a lot around here." <laughs> so it's wrong. like acknowledging it, like you're 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 getting to be the audience. He's playing the audience there, yeah. right? So uh, it's good, you know. I think it's a it, it sort of lightens it and at the same time says, "Okay, yes, we realize we're doing this a lot." <laughs> We've been um, here for like a whole weekend, basically. We know that we've heard the Wucha a number of times. Yeah, and it's like, again, I go back to like, so if you could have killed Rick, you should have, because <laughs> he just, you know, I mean, he didn't personally, but he brought the girl who summons Imhotep, which yeah. is like the end of the fucking world, right? So now we're back down, and the, you know, the a mummy's been summoned, and then you have the guy that wears glasses, and uh, apparently he's the blindest person ever. <laughs> Seriously, his glasses are literally right in front of him, and he's just like, "Where are my glasses?" <laughs> like you can just reach out and touch them. Yeah, they're they're literally in arm's length. Yeah, <laughs> and you're on the same level as them because you're on your fucking knees. But okay, yeah, 
And then Benny crushes them. And he's like, I guess I'm blind forever now. <laughs> but, you know, the mummy, when he takes the guy's eyes, he can just see perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. They should have had him bumping into walls and stuff. That would have been great. They really should have. I, I thought it was going to be like the crux of the movie is he's defeated because he's blind because he doesn't have glasses because he's a mummy. But he's got <laughs> yeah. this blind guy's eyes. But they didn't go in that direction. But at least would have been funny if he'd been up. But he'd always been bumping into things, like you said, like as a joke. You could just have a running joke where he's like, oops. Then again, yeah, like he's yet. just like constantly cursing the fact that he took the eyes from that guy instead of like, you know, anything else, you know. Or they could have had him take continuously not the best body parts possible. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that would have been good. Guys, um, you know, he's like the guy I got my kidney from had advanced, you know, kidney disease. Oh. So I got so, my pancreas from a diabetic. <laughs> oh, I got my liver from an alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, he's like, I got my dick from Brendan Fraser. <laughs> this worked out well. Yep. <laughs> my one good choice. So I did think it was kind of silly that uh, that they had Rick O'Connell stay. Because, like, I just don't buy that he would actually stay. Like, yeah. I guess I never really got into their chemistry. I, I didn't really think there was much chemistry there. Yeah. Um, and the idea that this guy who clearly thinks this woman is a pain in the ass is like going to stick around to save her. It's just, well, I don't, don't really buy it, but I did enjoy that. He just like, he kept, was it him who kept packing and then she was removing it. He just like kept putting more stuff in, and then she would just take it right back out. That was a comically long scene. Now, but I think of it. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, how much stuff are you putting in this suitcase? Like, he just <laughs> kept putting stuff in, and it was like he didn't even recognize that everything he put in was being taken out. Well, well, anyway, you know, I, I actually you know, enjoyed that. I did too. Um, and it's one, it's it's a, it's another one of the almost borderline, you know, cartoonish, but ends up kind of working because of the charis- the charisma of the cast, right? But you know you don't you don't see um, the appeal of the Rachel Vice character or the char- the uh, chemistry, but that's because you haven't seen her in a transparent wet nightgown. Yeah, that would have helped. Thanks to the effects department and their yeah, thanks a lot. Airbrushing Ruined out the movie. <laughs> this movie is literally unwatchable without Rachel Vice's nips. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if I don't know if we're going to give these episodes names, but this one should be Rachel Vice's nips. Yeah. I I was just gonna call the name of the movie, but <laughs> the Adventures of Rachel Vice's Nips and Daddy Rick. We could workshop. Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, Benny is a ridiculous character. Um, just anyway, I I actually started to enjoy him. Um, but uh, I enjoy him too. I think the actor gets the right amount of Weasley and right. Yeah, still fun enough that you don't want him out of the movie. Um, and then, you know, there's more of this like goofy slapstick style stuff uh, more than like I I remembered, but, um, in spite of all this, Brendan Fraser has like a really well delivered, like badass line, Mm -hmm. which I feel like is actually a tough line for, to deliver. He says, I'll be seeing you again. Mm -hmm. And he does it really well. Like I was like, okay, I'm, I'm buying that he could. Kicks mummy ass, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, who better the who better to kick mummy ass than Daddy? <laughs> then yeah, domestic violence joke, everybody. 
And I put that out as well, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, so this was one thing that I was coming back. This is what I was talking about earlier. I said we would come back to. Mm. Could Imhotep really not find any other woman to do this? And I, I thought that when I was watching it. And then I realized there's literally no other woman in this movie. <laughs> For real, it's her and that's it. Like the entire village that shows up is basically, I think it's all male. Like his whole army of people that show up going, Imhotep, Imhotep, all dudes. <laughs> So it's like, it's total he's got no fest. choice. He's like, well, I guess I'll take this one. <laughs> now, which woman should I choose in order to reincarnate my bride? I guess the one that's here. That's yeah. really it. Rachel Vice, it is. Um, but yeah, so... And I, I also couldn't help but wonder, did did the guy... What's his name that played Imhotep? Vorlu, what was it? <laughs> Jason Voorhees. Jason Voorhees. And also, Vorlu is kind of like a good, like, just, his name is just Vorlu. He's an, e he's an evil sorcerer, and his name is Vorlu. But Arnold Voslu. Voslu, yeah, okay. So, Vorlu. I'm wondering if he got his, uh, he, if he got this role just because he has a giant mouth. <laughs> that's not even CGI. That's just, that's all him, baby. Well, because, okay, so they show the, the mummy, like, opening his mouth ridiculously many times, right? Kind before of a lot. he, Yeah, a lot. Before he's, like, back to a fully formed human again. But then they show Imhotep, the, you know, Vorlu, there, <laughs> opening his mouth. And, uh, and it's, like, pretty damn big. I'm like, okay, well, I guess maybe Not it wasn't. Not CGI, CGI anymore, but surprisingly yeah. large for a normal human being. Yeah, exactly. I remember uh, that shot being prominent in the promotional stuff for the movie. I don't know why. I don't know why they used it. I don't know why I remember it so well. Look at this guy's gaping maw. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, it it must have looked um, must have looked cool, I guess. I'm not sure it looks cool now. I, I did notice that they continue to show how much Rick is uh, an American who likes to shoot his gun. Um, oh, yeah. Feels like he's wasting a lot of his bullets. First, he shoots the the bug mm. like okay you got him <laughs> and then he uses his gun to move the mirror he shoots the top of the mirror and he's like it moved see now we have light and that's some really good ricochet you know judgment on his yeah. part just knowing exactly where to shoot it that it comes up and illuminates the entire room perfectly cartoon gun syndrome as well as some other cartoon issues where yes. just he's Actually, I guess it's more just action movie gun syndrome where he just has endless ammunition as needed and not that big a deal when he runs out of ammunition because he just throws the gun at the bad guy and then rips out two more new ones. I swear to God, this movie was so much of him reaching behind his back for two more guns. Like, how many you got back there, buddy? He's got a backpack full of guns, but we never actually see his backpack. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a it's a fanny pack that he's got backwards. <laughs> let's, let's hope. That's why. <laughs> he passed he passed it on to Dwayne the Rock Johnson when he, he did exactly. Scorpion King. He was like, I give you my fanny pack. And he's like, Rock thanks, Daddy Rick. <laughs> I will treasure it forever, Daddy Rick. <laughs> um, 
I also so they got Benny in the with all the gold, right? And mm-hmm. I did think it was they had this like one part where like the gold shines, you know, they always have like that shimmer. Mm-hmm. But it was like really exaggerated. I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> um just 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 to make sure we know that Benny knows that it's gold. I also I think that this movie does an interesting thing where <clears throat> you know you could look at this in a bubble and you're like, yeah, okay, this is definitely some more like, um, you know, white people run the world, right? Because you've got mm-hmm. this guy who's in a 3,000-year-old secret society who is clearly plainly inept at protecting this place until, yeah. you know, his white savior comes along to do it. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, he's just like, hey, you seem to be better at this. <laughs> Go finish the job. Yeah, he's he's gonna sacrifice himself so they can get into the tomb or whatever. Right. Which exactly. he does, he doesn't end up dying, but he's willing to be like, Oh, don't worry, you guys go take care of it. I'll die. And I feel like they, they show they you know they eventually kill Benny, right? Mm, yeah. Presumably. Ooh. But uh you know, I I kind of felt bad for Benny. You know, he was in kind of a a lose-lose situation. He's like, either I die or I fuck over everybody I know. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think his his decisions led him to that place, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I know. I get I get that they're showing it as being sort of a karma situation for him, but I don't well, know. Actually, well, actually, with Benny, I meant to actually see if you understood. He has several. I think he gets together several camel loads of treasure, right? Because when they or at least he's trying to, because when they escape, there's like two camels just waiting for them. And I think there is some treasure on them because at the very end it shows that like there's there's like a gleam again with this gleam of the treasure in one of the bags. Like, oh don't worry, Rick and Rick and company will be fine. They have they have treasure and they will return and the mummy returns. But I think Benny was like getting more treasure than he could carry, and that's why he kept running back in and ended up finding himself on the wrong side of the of the closing stone door. Yeah, that could be. I wouldn't be. I mean, but you know, I thought he probably felt like he owed some was owed some pay for his work. <laughs> He's like, I, I worked all this time. I have so many hours for the mummy and he didn't give me any treasure. Talk about it on the final showdown, but they've won obviously. And, mm. and then uh, miraculously the, the, the secret society guy is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, okay, so he's out. He let, the white guy take all the glory. Yeah. And then what's he doing with the rest of his life? It's like, okay, I have no purpose now. Thanks for saving me. Goodbye. He gets to retire early. I just, yeah. Maybe that was that, his plan all along. He let, he let Rick live because he knew that he would eventually end up killing the mummy. And now he does then he doesn't have to watch the mummy anymore. His ancestors have watched for 3000 years and he's kind of done with it. Yeah, maybe he's just sick of it. He's like, I'm over this. <laughs> well, and then they end with uh, the magical kiss. That, that um, was just like, yeah, okay. And she doesn't get her own camel because they only have the two, so Jonathan gets one, and she has to be carried on Rick's lap. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> <laughs> good for the good for the camel. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so now we're on to uh, the rank. Ranked Aliens, Cliffhanger, Central Intelligence, and Bloodsport thus far, with Aliens on top, followed by Central Intelligence, Cliffhanger, 
and holding up the rear blood sport. And and blood sport. Don't forget. <laughs> you think this um, one might you think this one might challenge blood sport for the second worst? I yeah, I think it's gonna be better than blood sport. Better than blood sport, but not quite it's as just, good as Cliffhanger. Well, Cliffhanger was pretty good. The thing is, I think the villain <laughs> is what stands out for Cliffhanger. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but the just so for our listener, the way the rank works is uh, we have ten categories that we rank uh, a scale of one to five, one being the worst, five being the best, um, and then we add the our, our scores together, and that gives us our rank. So the ten categories are story acting, originality, action sequences, chase and fight sequences, film coherence, hero appeal, villain appeal, uh, slash hatred, supporting characters appeal, and the final showdown, which is hero versus villain. So we'll start off with story, and um, I'll I'll go first. I gave story a four. I thought it was a really fun story, you know, classic, sort of a classic undead story, but with like an adventurous spirit to it. that I felt like was sort of new in the mummy genre. Well, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I gave my, I gave it a three and a half because pretty, pretty similar thinking. It's a good, a good story and uh, it's exciting. So even the story could have been a lot worse, frankly, and it still would have been fun enough. Yeah. Right. I know. I you know, I think we're on the same page here. Um, but the next one is acting and I'll let you go first. So I gave the acting a four because I thought that everyone was very charismatic. Basically the whole cast was likable. Um, and even the minor people like those Americans who we kind of barely mentioned, except for the guy who can't see, even they were fun. Like, so really everybody was really kind of brought their fun, a game really. And uh, made, you know, e- even the silliest, even the silly stuff. I was like, I'll buy it because everyone's having fun. I'm having fun. Keep going. You know, a, a quote I found that I felt was apropos, 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 how do you say that word? Um, that I thought was apt um, <laughs> was this. And sometimes I go and read the reviews from various sites for some of these movies we do. And so I ended up reading Roger Ebert's review, which is a three-star review. He liked it a lot. And um, the quote particularly stuck with me where he said, there's hardly a thing I can say in its favor, meaning the movie, except that I was cheered by nearly every minute of it. I cannot argue for the script, the direction, the acting, or even the mummy, but I can say I was not bored, and sometimes I was unreasonably pleased. There's a little immaturity stuck away in the crannies of even the most judicious of of us, and we should treasure it. And that just felt very, very kind of on target to me, because... Like I was saying with, I can't remember, probably just throughout the entire ranking, I was saying that I was enjoying myself and kind of happy that this adventure was happening in front of me. So that really stuck with me because, you know, you might think, oh, this movie critic, you know, he's going to, it's not Citizen Kane, so he's not going to like it or whatever. But I think it's always important to take a movie on its own terms. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that, I think, in our introduction episode or or our first episode where... um... I don't know. One of our one of our recordings, or maybe I cut it. Doesn't really matter. But we talk about how like it would be nice if critics, if there was like, if if studios could give a critic like, this is the type of movie it is. So mm-hmm. rate it 
review it based on that. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, that's actually a really beautiful quote. I mean, yeah, it's uh, and Ebert's actually really great with that. If anyone wants to go out and dig into Ebert's archives, that's actually a really great time. In fact, some of his great movies that he has a part of his site where it's all great movies. And by has, I mean, had because he is no longer with us. But and a lot of them on there, you'll be like, really, this is on here. And uh, he'll just give a very nice review of a movie that's like, this is this kind of movie, but it is as good as this kind of movie as you can make. And it's uh, and it's great. It's like me. Yeah, that's it's really cool. <clears throat> I um, I mean, and part of what he's saying there about, you know, uh, clinging on to the little immaturities that live within us. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's part of the reason that we wanted to do the action movie ranking in the first place because mm-hmm. it's, it's just most action movies are just plain fun, you know. So yeah. that's the kind of the idea is you just you you know you get to have some fun. Um, um, the, yeah, I'm sorry, just to jump in, uh, I couldn't find it, but there was another quote of his. I think possibly on a sequel to the Mummy, or I think possibly on Anaconda of all things, because <laughs> he mentions Anaconda as being a movie that he really loved because like it's fun and something to the effect of like connoisseurs of art won't like it, but real connoisseurs of art will something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's, if you're like a, that's if you're a good like line. A, yeah. Like if you're a fake, you know, aesthete, you won't, but if you actually enjoy things that are good, a little bit like how, um, when you watch, sometimes I'll watch the food network, right. And you'll get like food snobs, but then you'll get guys who are like, you know, this cheeseburger is better than the best, you know, fucking whatever that I've ever had because it's just good for what it is. Right. Hey, maybe that's maybe that's what this is. It's a cheeseburger movie. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I don't I like eat that, meat, but it's a cheeseburger movie. It's a Beyond Burger movie. Wait, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> say the brand name. It's a soy-based movie. It's a soy-based meat substitute just, movie. Just like me. <laughs> soy-based meat substitute. Human. Yep. <laughs> Hello, soy-based human. So you know, when he says when he comes to Earth to meet me for the first time. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with you here. I gave it a three and a half, so we're pretty mm-hmm. close on this. Yeah, I thought Brendan Fraser was actually really good. I thought he was mm-hmm. the the highlight of the movie for sure. And I enjoyed um, Evelyn's brother Jonathan. I enjoyed him, but yeah, I kind of felt like. Yeah, you know, and maybe it's recency bias, right? It's like mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of Rachel Vice and I know that she's capable of really good work. Yeah. So I actually didn't feel like she was that great in this. Mm-hmm. Um and I kind of thought that everyone else was, you know, just kind of average, you know. Yeah. Um but you know, three and a half isn't a bad score. I just that's just kind of how I p- perceived the acting in this. But now on to but how, is, how is how is F. Murray Abraham though? Well, I mean, if I could confirm, and obviously I can't confirm because there's just no way to do it. If no. I could confirm that he was in it, five, <laughs> without a doubt. Every movie should have an F. Murray Abraham score. <laughs> this one has a five. Most of them, it's really more of a binary thing because it's either five or zero. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's either F. Murray Abraham or it isn't. Or it isn't, yeah. And if it's not F. Murray Abraham, then it's shit. Yeah. Um, this one is five. Possibly, we don't know. That information is lost to the ages. Uh, <laughs> I like the, the idea that the information is lost to the ages. Uh, we'll, we'll that, that one tickled me. <laughs> we'll leave you on a quest to fu- un- 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 uncover the uh, 
the ancient artifacts that tell us we'll read it we'll read it slowly this movie had wait what's this one it's been a while since i read you know linear b <laughs> f murray abraham right i forgot that that was f murray abraham the bird with the with the outspread wings um so originality is the next uh category and i'm going first on it and i gave this uh a three and a half you know considering it's based off of a 1932 film it uh so it can't be like entirely original right it's based off of something else uh it had some typical action you know adventure tropes but um I had to give it some extra points for mixing genres. You know, you had the historical, you had horror, you had action, adventure, comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought that would sort of a, an original take to it. What about, what say you? I gave it a three because, and it's not even really a bad thing because it's just not super original. It really follows the action adventure formula from like classic Hollywood things as Stephen Summers was shooting for. Remember, he said that he went with Brendan Fraser because he wanted that right. that kind of appeal to the movie. So the movie itself is sort of knowingly following that formula. But because of that, you can't give it too high an originality score since it wasn't really it wasn't really concerned with originality. Yeah, right. I think, I but, think basi- but basically, good. right, right where it, right where it should be, maybe average. I don't know. Maybe it's not a good way to think of it. Um, but yeah. So now. Then the next category is action sequences, and that's yours first. So for action sequences, I went with a four because I thought they were really good. Um, perhaps a bit too silly at times, a bit too that the final. Wait, we'll wait till the final showdown one actually to say that one. But occasionally they did go on a little bit, maybe longer than I wanted. Um, and my memory, I remember the boat sinking when it was on fire. I remember that being like a very long scene. It actually didn't end up being. I think I just, in my memory, I was remembering a lot of, like, seemingly the same guy being on fire and running off the edge. So, (laughs) so, like, I remember thinking, like, how many of these guys are there that are on fire and (laughs) jumping off of the edge? I mean, that's where I'd go, too. I would also jump off the edge of the boat. Would somebody help put them out? But, like, yeah, it felt like it was going on for a minute. But uh, really not major complaints at all, just very minor things. But uh, overall, a lot of fun action stuff. And, you know, the adventure... I know we don't have an adventure category, but we almost should for this one because the adventuresome spirit of the movie was also also excellent. That would have gotten like four and a half if we had had such a thing. Yeah, that that sort of buoys the action sequences. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so for me, I gave I actually gave it uh, a three point nine. Oh right, yes. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I really like the action sequences, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they aged a little poorly, and you know, I, I I don't really know how to else to. I felt the same way you did. I just I didn't feel like it was a four, but I felt like it was better than three point seven five. So I gave it a three point nine. So, so you went with our first not in quarters rating right. of rating <laughs> exactly. of all time. Which um, you know, I, I'm glad that I did. It opens up things for us. I think. Uh, we should probably do that more, but it's just easy to go with the go with the quarters. Um, so on to the next category, which is chase uh, slash fight scenes. Um, I gave that one a four. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. the fight scenes were pretty well done, well choreographed. Even the scenes where Rick is fighting the skeletons could have been terrible, but that was <laughs> like really well done too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I thought that the fight scenes were better than the action scenes slightly. It's just 
kind of why I did it the way I did. Mm-hmm. But I, I did think it was really cool, actually, I, and I read this, that Brendan Fraser, like, really dedicated, uh, like, he choreographed his own fight with the skeletons because he knew it was going to be CGI, and he wanted to, it to look really good. Mm. So he just did that all on his own, and then they put in the skeletons where they needed to. Is there is there no end to this man's talents? No. There's, there's not <laughs> no end whatsoever. He can That's fight right. skeletons. He can be very fat. He can do it all. And uh, Evie will tell you all about that. Woo. About his <laughs> talents. <laughs> get me all, <laughs> get me all worked up here. Uh, you, you can't see me. I'm like fake. You know, like hot under the collar. <laughs> I just realized that no one can see me. I'm not even on camera. <laughs> um. So what say you, Chase fight scenes? Chase and fight scenes, kind of similar, except I liked them a little bit more than you. I went four and a half, which is about as high as either of us give anything. Um, I uh, Yeah, it's similar to the action scenes. I loved the excitement that, that this movie brought and um, sort of the overall, even more than the action scenes, the sort of adventurous spirit of the movie really lent itself to having exciting chases and fights because, you know, you, you get a mummy, he's going to chase you. That's kind of how it goes, often kind of slowly, but that's okay, because he will get you with his gaping mouth one way or the other. He'll get you. And the fights were, were pretty good. Um, that that some, The skeleton fight actually went on. It was one of the ones I felt went on a little too long. Like, yeah, it was I, just like a lot I of skeletons. Yeah. But not... Okay, we get it. He's beating up skeletons. <laughs> yeah, and he, he seems to have a habit of... I guess he really only finds the one ancient sword that he's suddenly fighting with. But it just goes, it goes right along with, like, this movie's respect for artifacts. Yeah, right. <laughs> Here, let me just fight with this, you know, ancient sword. <laughs> no problem. I'll just kill some skeletons. Actually, the skeletons themselves are ancient artifacts, aren't right, they? Right, I was thinking that, too, actually. <laughs> but um, whatever. Well, I mean, I think this sort of lends itself well into film coherence. Um, mm-hmm. So what, uh, what did you give for that? With that one, I only went 2.75. Because there was a lot of what Hitchcock called fridge logic for me in this movie, where it made sense at the time. It wasn't glaring. It didn't upset me. But then later I was going, you know, I'm not really 100% sure on that. Either I'm a little confused about exactly how it worked, or that just doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense in like the real world we live in. And you even pointed out several that I had not even really thought about. And like you, I think you pointed, like with the... Uh, the guys up on the mountaintop and they're like, Ooh, the desert will kill him or whatever. There's just a couple of really minor fixes, like super minor that they could have just gotten rid of a lot of slight inconsistencies. So I was a little harsh on it in that way, but um, overall it's not like the plot didn't make sense. It was perfectly fine everywhere it needed to be. And there was a lot of like in the moment didn't bother me, whatever. Yeah, I mean, so I gave it a three point seven five, and I probably was more generous than you. Yeah, uh, because so when I wrote so when I wrote the review, the ranking for myself here for film coherence, I was like, oh, there weren't that many things that I could say were unnecessary. But then as like we talked through the the movie, I'm like, oh, there were actually quite a few. Um, But I still, you know, I don't know that uh, it's all. I don't know if there there was a whole bunch of scenes that were uh, extraneous, you know, except for, I mean, that one specifically with the, you know, the guy on the hill that's like, should we kill him? Nah, let's not kill him. 
That's just <laughs> whatever. Why do we have that? Um, and then, you know, yeah. I, I think that some of the slapstick stuff that takes you out of it, like, you know, should we not hang him? Because that was his dying wish. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think that stuff could have, you know, been on the cutting room floor. But uh, other than that, I, you know, I felt like the film flowed really well. Um, yeah, it was so. a very decent job editing for me. So. so then we move on to Hero Appeal. For Hero Appeal, I gave a 4.25. Um, I really enjoyed Rick. There was a lot of charisma, and I, I actually wasn't expecting to be rooting for him as much as I was. The only thing that I would take off of that is that I didn't really buy the chemistry between him and you know the the leading lady there, and um, yeah, you know, I, so because I didn't buy that, it was it loses some of the the rooting capacity because the whole reason he's staying is for her, yeah. and I just didn't buy it. So uh, I think I probably would have given it. Really caring. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I think I would have given it a higher score if it wasn't for that, personally. Not that 4.25 is bad, but I would say that's uh, not bad at all. Not quite as not quite as good as my four and a half that I gave it because pretty much exact same thing. I mean, I I also was surprised at how much I liked Brennan Fraser in this and how much of a good action leading man he is and this was like the first time we really saw that too much for him right he'd been right. in not george in trouble of remembering Jung, george of the jungle was the biggest thing he'd been in and that was not right. exactly a hero appeal thing it was more of a silliness appeal right um and aside from that he'd been in like some minor movies i remember him being school in that one joe pesci where joe pesci is uh, oh he was good in school ties mm -hmm. not that it has anything to do with this movie <laughs> <laughs> he, he comes across good as a, as a preppy guy i guess yeah. but um but no, he really showed a, he did not really become too much of an action franchise star guy, except for the mummy. Except for the mummy. Returns. Yeah. But I was expecting to like it, and I actually liked him even more than I thought. I was like, this is just a Rick Roaring charismatic good time. So well done. I'm surprised they didn't put him in more action movies, actually, after this. They put him in comedies. Yeah. You know, like yeah. The Dazzled and, you know. Speaking of which, it's not a bad movie at all, but. I like I enjoyed Bedazzled. You know which one yeah, I really like that he is in is Blast from the Past. I, I, I really enjoy that, that movie. Um, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, no, it's I, kind of funny because usually got somebody carries you know a movie like this and then they're like, let's put him in this stupid action movie that is not going to do as well, and then that's kind of the end of it. But yeah, yeah they um, didn't really do that with him. They were just like, nah, he's funny. We're we're going to keep him as a funny guy. Nope, Dudley Do Right it is. Yeah, <laughs> forgot about Dudley Do Right. Yeah. Um, let's let's for for I did not believe the 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 um the uh, what was I thinking of what was the word between him and Rachel Vice? You didn't chemistry. Chemistry. I yeah. Didn't, I didn't totally buy the chemistry between him and Sarah Jessica Parker and Dudley Do Right, but I did not ever see that. If wow. I'm being honest, yeah, I'm, I know I'm I missed out. Of, I'm kind of surprised that I saw Dudley do right at some point, and you did not. How did this happen? Yeah, that does seem very odd. Um, but speaking of Dudley do right, let's go to villains. Um, <laughs> Dudley do right's not a villain. Um, who is but yeah, it's your turn first. Yeah, villains. I went with three point two five because I just didn't love the mummy. Um, I know he, he's called the mummy. You think that he, that would be really important? And I'm not saying that Arnold Vosloo didn't do a good job with 
opening his mouth, which he did. He wasn't he wasn't given much to do. He probably was not required to do all that much, aside from look menacing at times. It was all fine. So really, three point two five is uh, maybe even a little bit more generous than I'm thinking because he's just he's kind of the villain version of a MacGuffin. It's, he's just yeah. he's yeah, there he's right. there to run away from. Yeah. So. In the same vein, I gave him a, I gave it a two point seven five. I, I thought he was a weird villain mm. because, yeah, he's an oddly he hasn't he's like a really empathetic origin story, you know. I, I, yeah. Like, I'd be pretty angry if I was him too, you know, after three thousand years. But like, the whole his whole villainous thing is like that he wants to be with his woman that he loves. Yeah, like I I don't. Didn't really make me hate him. I was just kind of like, maybe we should just leave him alone, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, you know, he's he almost is he almost gets a better score as just a supporting character than as a villain, right? Because, because like you said, maybe we should just let him let him hang out with his with his girlfriend. They didn't get to hang out when they were alive. Why not? Yeah, and, and I, I mean, the Pharaoh is dead, so who cares? And I didn't want to like completely trash the score. Yeah. Um, and I, the reason I didn't want to is because he is sort of legitimately scary. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the character is, yeah. um, so yeah. Anyway, that's why I, I went that way. And maybe there's some anticlimactic aspect to it for me too, because he's scarier as the CGI mummy. Right. And, and exactly. then he's, he's fully formed. He can't be stopped, but he's just a guy now. It's like, all right. And we already knew what he looked like. He's just a guy. So like, right. He gets less scary as he gets more powerful. And not to say that Arnold Voslo isn't a scary looking guy if that's what he wants. Just Yeah, I was scared of Vorlu. <laughs> um, <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that the uh the wizard from He Man? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> we'll have Voslo to check when we watch Masters thing. of the Universe. Oh well, let's not do that movie. No, we <laughs> talked about that before even. Yeah, I know. I think we talked. Did we talk about it on the podcast that we didn't record? I think we did. We, we might have. I remember us both thinking that the the flying scooter was extremely yeah. silly. That's all I remember. Oh man. Well, so Skeletor I, wasn't bad in that movie. He was a pretty okay villain. You yeah, probably I, get a higher I, score than a lot of the rest for it for me. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. That's sweet. Um, but yeah, so on to supporting characters appeal. For this, I gave a 3.75. Um, you know, Benny was a worm, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed him. Um, so I don't know if I was supposed to. Um, Evie was okay. Um, I actually enjoyed Evie's brother, Jonathan, way more. Yeah. Um, but most everyone else was kind of eh, except for F. Murray Abraham, who obviously was amazing. Who gets, a, who gets a five? Yeah, in so, the binary of Murray Abraham scale of existence or not. rank category. So yeah, we, um, we'll add that later. Don't worry, yeah. we'll go back and redo all the others too for their F. Murray Abrahamness or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what uh, what did you give the supporting characters? For supporting characters, uh, I gave it a four point two five. Again, pretty similar. I think I liked a lot of the supporting characters more than you did. I don't know why, aside <laughs> from that, they were fun. Um, in I remember watching this movie in the theater and thinking that blind guy was actually like my new favorite character for that part of the movie. <laughs> and then of course, immediately he dies like just after that. And something that I liked, I don't even know exactly what it was aside from that. I thought he was fun and um, the actor's kind of hunky, but um, <laughs> you know, the part where they are all woken up at night because of the many times that something happens in the middle of the night at this camp. 
but I think this is the time that the uh, the the guardians of of um the of the Holy yeah, Grail are there. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're there for that time. Then they leave, and then you see blind guy, and he's only like shaven half of his face, and the other half is shaving cream. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was it's a cute little moment, and the movie is full of cute little moments like that for the characters, where it's just something silly that we didn't need to have him only having shaved half his face, but it's endearing and fun for some reason. Yeah, I can actually. That's a good point. I I can see that. I it can't think of it, too many others right now, but there are others. Yeah, they they do have a lot of little endearing things. They 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 build. It's interesting. They feel like they build characters sort of well in this movie, mm-hmm. but they just don't have enough time because of what they're trying to do yeah. to really build the universe that well. Um, and it kind of makes you wonder if maybe there shouldn't have been fewer characters since. Right. Because of exactly because that. Of that exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the other American, another when they're scared because the mummy is coming back and he asks his friend to go get him a drink and he asks for like whiskey with a whiskey chaser and a whiskey back and just kind of cute. Just, yeah. And it's like, these guys are all kind of fun. And even F. Murray Abraham, kind of fun, kind of a weenie, seemingly a better Egyptologist than Evie, who's more uh, of an Egyptologist. No, never mind. <laughs> But uh, like you said, Jonathan, also fun. Everybody fun. Um, they they uh, do a good shorthand for getting everybody like who they are, you know. So that's good. Like think about just the first time we see Evie and Jonathan. Both of them get a very good, very quick introduction, and we don't need to know much more about them right away. That's true. That's a, yeah. It's very economical. Evie is. But I is see. I feel clumsy. like Evie deserved. She deserved better. Well. More well-rounded. Yeah, but I just, you know, for me, (laughs) but no, I just feel like because I, I didn't buy the chemistry. I don't know. I think for me, it needed to be a little bit more for her, for me to like get into her character. Um, But so on to the last rank, uh, final showdown. What'd you get for that? Three and a half for final showdown because really good went on too long though. And it felt it was another one that felt a tiny bit anticlimactic where we had a, so much adventure up till that point and then everything collapses. They destroy the entire city of the dead, presumably one of the great archaeological finds in world history, if not the great one, since it confirms magic is real. Um, <laughs> but it's buried under the Sahan sands of the Sahara because they screwed up and knocked it all over. But that's okay. <laughs> Uh, so maybe I was just letting that that like you know my academic integrity get in the way of my enjoying that those aspects of it. Um, I liked. Uh, I actually thought it was kind of fun and menacing the way the priests came back and were protecting him and helping out with the uh, with the uh, what do you call it the uh, resurrection. Oh yeah. Um, I kind of, I kind of thought it would be funny if he had forgotten some of the resurrection words in the interim in the three thousand years. <laughs> if he's like you know. In you reciting in 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 Egyptian or whatever, then he's like, "Oh shit, what's next?" Um, one of the priests, give me the book of the. Where's the book of the dead? She's got it. And, the, and then he has to squint at it, right? Yeah, because he can't he has, see. <laughs> he's like, "Where are my reading glasses?" He's patting him. He's patting down his almost naked self because he's just like a robe and like a hot pants. At that <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but he he looked like when like uh, Olothario comes to the door, he's because he's expecting all of the hookers he ordered, and he's just wearing like a robe <laughs> and underwear that's like open. 
liked where the weird ghostly chariot came out. That was a lot. That was a great little moment. I don't even really know what they were taking away from him. I guess maybe his soul, his immortality. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. A lot of good stuff. Well, I will say uh, I think you enjoyed it more than I did. I I actually gave it a two. Oh. I actually thought it was kind of lame, if I'm being oh. honest. But the reason for this is is because they don't really fight. That's true. They don't really have a showdown. And even if even if they did, right? So they show him as this like all powerful kind of guy. He controls the sand. He takes down an airplane, yeah. right? There's no problem doing all this stuff. But then when he's in that room and you know, Rick's over there killing all these skeletons or re-killing them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. He's just standing there. He just stands there for like 20 fucking minutes. He's like, nah, I guess just let him do it. I don't know. <laughs> he took a page from the, uh, from the, from the, from the guardian of the Holy Grail's book. Just, eh, I don't know. I'm not going to yeah. really bother any about it right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm not I mean, too worried about it. It's just, you know, he's like super powerful and that, but then when his woman and his life are in jeopardy, he's just weirdly impotent. And then he gets into the weird water, and I don't know what the hell happened to him there. Yeah, the, um, I think that's where the souls are kept, maybe. I don't know. Maybe where did Egyptians keep their souls? I don't know. I think we keep ours in the fridge. But Yeah, that's where I have a lot of mine. Um, <laughs> a, little part, a little part of me goes into the fridge every time I open it. <laughs> a lot of horcruxes in there, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, a little bit of the fridge comes into me, too, every time I open it. <laughs> oh. That is the full ranking, and full ranking of the mummy. Of the mummy, and actually, it puts it firmly in second place. Oh my goodness! So, uh, Aliens has a total of eighty-seven point five, and the Mummy ha- comes in second at seventy-two point six five, which just barely beat Central Intelligence at seventy point five. And you know, the Mummy so far is going to be the only one that doesn't have. You know, 0.5 or 0.25 or whatever score, because all because of you, all because Um, I'm such a piece of shit. Um, That is a that's a big gap between aliens and the mummy. Yeah, well, it's it's a big gap between uh, central intelligence. Well, between the mummy and cliffhanger too. Yeah, especially bloodsport. Bloodsport's a 51. (laughs) Um, So, but yeah, aliens is aliens is very high. Yeah, we started with a really good one. That's for sure. (laughs) It's going to um, be tough to beat. but I know. I'm curious if, if anybody will. I feel like one movie will. I don't know what that movie is, <laughs> but I feel like there's going to be thought, one that beats it. I thought you were being dramatic. And I was like, ooh, what movie? And I was like, oh, just some, <laughs> something. Well, we do have some classic action movies coming up, like some real classics that people actually treasure. And I'm not trying to say that nobody treasures these other ones, but some of these other ones are more... We've had we have a camp classic. We have, and I don't mean at camp. I mean campy. Um, unless you watch yeah. that camp, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know what kind of camp you go to. Um, yeah, we have some uh, something, some some really good ones coming up. Yeah, right, and they'll just keep coming. I mean, I, I'm actually <laughs> curious if uh, you know if modern movies will end up um, making their way up the rankings as well. But, I have uh, I have a weird intuition. And I'm not saying that because we recorded anything, because we didn't. But I think that you and I are going to lean more toward older ones. I have that sneaking suspicion, too, just because of our love of practical effects. But yeah. 
you know, so Alien, Aliens I, really hit a sweet spot for us because it was a really well done movie, but also like everything was done exactly the way we like it. Yeah, I but I do think so. But I do like modern movies. I, I really genuinely do. I enjoy going out to see them, and you know, um, so I don't know. I guess we'll see. But yeah. uh, to our listener, thank you for listening. Um, yes, once again. Check us out next week when we're ranking Predator, the classic Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from 1987, directed by the great John McTiernan, by Ma El Salama. Well, I love to fiddle with myself.